On this episode of Powered by Battery, we speak with Tim Campos, the current CEO of intelligent calendaring company Woven and the former CIO of Facebook. Campos founded Woven after seeing the pain many Facebook executives faced with traditional online calendaring. Here, Campos breaks down how Woven leverages artificial intelligence to make calendars smarter, but he also talks to us about Facebook's culture, the future of work, and even some great office-themed movies from the 1980s, including 9 to 5 and Working Girl. Have a listen. So, Tim, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, listen, Tim, we've got a lot to talk about um, from online calendars to Facebook to the broader future of work. Um, But maybe we can start with what you're doing now, running Woven. So tell me about the inspiration for this company, how it all got started. (laughs) It's a a bit of a story, but uh, it actually starts with my being hired at Facebook. Okay. Uh, I was hired at Facebook in part because they were having trouble with Microsoft Exchange. And the feeling at the company was if the basics like email and calendaring don't work, then what does that mean for the things like our financial systems and our HR systems? And if we're going to go public in a few years and these systems don't work, that's really bad. So maybe we'll hire a professional to help take care of these things. Okay. I walk in the door and really most of the problem is calendaring. Um, And uh, I was super excited that uh, in my second week, I get a call from Zuck's admin and uh, Anika calls me and says, hey, you got to come to the to my desk. We have, it's something really important for you. Yeah. And I was like, this is great. You know, I've only been here two weeks and Zuck is already like getting strategic with IT. This is awesome. No pressure. Right? No pressure. Uh, I was really excited. And uh, I showed up um, and you know, my first clue should have been the, the time of the meeting. It was 8 a.m. in the morning uh, and Zuck doesn't get there until 10 uh, or at least he didn't back then. <laughs> But anyways, I showed up and it was basically Anika and a couple of other of the executive assistants and they proceeded to give me the total riot act on why the calendar was causing them no end to pain. And if it doesn't get fixed in a week, I'm done. Well, what was the I mean, it's just a calendar. What was the problem? Uh, you know, it ultimately, the problem goes down to how calendars are built. Okay. And this is why this was the inspiration for, for Woven. Calendars are built on top of email. And email has a bunch of bad characteristics. You know, if I send you an email, I don't know what happens to it after I send it. I can't unsend it. I can't right. change it. I don't know if you file it or if you delete it. I don't know if you forward it on to somebody else. And these same things happen with calendars all the time. And they're part of why uh, the calendar can break. But they're also part of why the calendar can't be any smarter than it is. And so what uh, my co-founder and I uh, conceived when we were at Facebook was, well, what if we were to take a lot of the technology that makes Facebook work? Because Facebook is really good at interconnecting things, people and places and uh, pages and uh, you know photos and uh, links and news. And it does that using this thing called a graph engine. Right. And that graph engine is uh, gives you a lot of information and not only enables uh, people to you know, see the photos that are interesting to them, but it also um, helps provide some ranking information, like who's your closest friend, who are the people that are most important to you. Right. And that's the annoying part of Facebook because I only see posts from a small percentage <laughs> of people I know. Okay. Well, fast forward to calendaring. Okay. The behavior of calendaring is very 
similar. There's a, a set of people that you meet with frequently. Um, so if I have a, a meeting with Darmesh at Battery, I'm often meeting with Mike Dauber at Amplify Partners because those are the investors in Woven. Those two are connected with each other. If I have a meeting with um, my designer, I'm often meeting with my uh, front-end engineering team. And so we can learn the, these things. We can make the calendar more intelligent so that it recommends that stuff. But it, this is also just the beginning. Uh, when you start teaching the calendar what these meetings are about, like, you know, why am I meeting with Darmesh? It's a board meeting. Why right. am I meeting with my team? This is a, you know, a product meeting. Why am I meeting with, uh, you know, with Casey over at uh, Palantir? That's a customer meeting. Okay. On uh, all of these different um, scenarios, the meeting has different meaning, and there's information that you want to associate it with it. That's what we are able to do with our okay. product. So this sounds like we're getting into AI territory, a little pattern matching, learning from what's going on. But before before we hop to that, and we can talk specifically more in more detail about what you're doing now, but back to Facebook. So the calendar's broken at Facebook. The EAs are reading you the Riot Act. You haven't started Woven yet. That came later. So what did you do? How did you help them? Yeah, I had to learn how the calendar works because I didn't realize all of these uh, these terrible aspects about the calendar. Okay. Um, uh, I, well, you know, ultimately my, my team and I, we work through the issues operationally to take care of the problem that they had. As Facebook grew, we started to wrap the calendar with uh, an integration layer that allowed us to do smarter things with it. Uh, okay. If you go to Facebook today, uh, one of the first things that you'll see is these giant touch monitors that have a map of the building and the conference rooms are highlighted. They're either red or green, whether they're booked or they're free. Uh -huh. uh, that information comes from the calendaring system. But to make that work reliably, we had to build this integration layer um, and uh, that integration layer gave uh, inspiration to you know, some of the technology that we ultimately built for, for Woven. Um, we also at Facebook took that same thing and we integrated it for uh, recruiting. Uh, so if you think about you know, a company like Facebook if, as it's growing, it has to do a lot of interviews. Right. It, it literally probably does more than 100,000 interviews a year now. Um, and that's a ton of people conference rooms, candidates, panelists to coordinate. And just process, right? Lots of emails, yeah, just, lots of... Yeah, make sure that you have the right coincidence of time for them. You have right. a conference room that is free. You have a panelist that's free and the candidate is free on a day where the candidate can meet with three other people so that you have a four-person interview. Uh, all that requires work. And we automated as uh, a ton of it using this graph layer or something like the graph okay. layer. Okay. All right. Interesting. All right. So I think I get it. So you're at Facebook. You kind of developed this proprietary technology layer to kind of sit on top of the calendar, help Facebook with its specific problems. But I guess this gave you a broader idea. So it's 2016 when you decided to leave? 2016, yes. Okay. All right. And then who's your co-founder? Uh, Birch, right? Yes. So okay. Birch and I go back uh, 10 years now. Uh, he and I went to business school together, but don't hold that against him. Okay. He's, okay. He's a true engineer, uh, Stanford PhD, uh, worked in uh, Google search infrastructure and, uh, then at Facebook on, uh, advertising insights. Uh, so Birch is really the technical brains behind all of this. And what, he, what he knows how to do is 
you know, not only interconnect things, um, which is the basics, but uh, how do we derive meaning and insight from those things? Okay. Uh, that's where you get into the world of machine learning and artificial intelligence. Okay. Okay. So you guys, uh, just fast forward, you guys launched your product just a few months ago in November, yep, November. right? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, so just kind of walk me through how this works. Um, so this is, this is an app that you download, and I guess sort of like the software you developed at Facebook, it's not like this is a replacement for Outlook or for Gmail, but it works with it. But at the same time, it seems like your product is kind of combining elements of email and calendar, right? In a sense, uh, okay. the collaborative aspects of email um, we have combined. Um, but you know, one way to think about us is woven is kind of like the integration of a bunch of different technologies that relate to time. Okay. Um, so. Yeah, email is one. Um, you, know, uh, you could think of Google Docs as another, the way that you share information with other people. Um, maps is a third because location matters uh, in okay. terms of you know where, not only when am I going to meet, but where am I going to meet. Um, and uh, you know, and uh, like I said, th- those areas are just just the beginning. So Woven's really kind of an integration of a lot of different technologies. Okay. It uh, Woven lives with your existing calendar system. We're not asking people to leave Google or leave Microsoft to use Woven. Uh, it layers on top of it, and what it really does is make those systems smarter. Okay, okay, so that's where they, we're starting to talk about the AI element mm-hmm. there. Well, maybe just give me an example, just because uh, it's a little bit abstract, so how that would work. Like, let's say we know each other, you want to set up a meeting with me, you're using Woven. Do I have to be using Woven in order to participate and get this goodness? No. Uh, Woven is valuable for just the, the meeting organizer or okay. the calendar user, um, but it gets even more powerful when uh, other people are using it as well. Okay. So if I'm meeting with you, I can use Woven first off to identify that when I meet with you, I might also be meeting with uh, somebody else who we uh, is normally part of our meetings. or um, and, and it will recommend the time that are going to work for me. It doesn't know about you because you're not a part of the system. If you become part of the system, now Woven can be even smarter. Uh, it can know that you know, when we meet, we typically meet for 45 minutes, that we meet at Battery Ventures, and it can recommend those uh, times and locations. And because it knows you and it knows me, it can immediately go to, these are the slots that are going to work for you guys. Uh, so it just saves a ton of time. And you mentioned maps earlier. So is that another, I guess I'm just trying to get at like how AI is really used here. Could, um, does the app know, for instance, that if you have your meeting at one time versus another, traffic might be worse and you might not have time mm-hmm. to make it or mm-hmm. something? Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, no, you, you, you nailed it. That, uh, you know, maps combined with your calendar, it brings in the dimension of time. So if I'm going to come to battery first thing in the morning, I don't face traffic. If I'm going to come to Battery at 5 o'clock in the evening on a Friday, everybody's going to San Francisco. Traffic is terrible. Okay. And so, yes, we use uh, AI to understand those things and make appropriate recommendations of how much time, buffer time, I should have between this meeting and my previous meeting. Okay. That's super cool. All right. Well, so is this product, are you selling this to enterprises, to individuals? Like, who's the target for this? Um, So calendaring is very much both a work and a personal thing. And so you can't really think about Woven just as an enterprise product any more than you could think about it as a consumer product. It's really the combination of both. So where we have started is with the set of people that uh, really represent this the the most, and that's the the busy professionals. So these are small business owners or consultants 
where time is money, they don't have executive assistance, and uh, they're going to get the most value out of the product. Where we go from here is small business and then eventually to enterprise. All right. Well, congrats. That sounds great. Um, I wanted to segue a little bit because into kind of this broader topic of the future of work. Um, It's something that obviously a lot of people are talking about. We talk about it a lot internally at my firm because we're investing a lot in AI. um, And I think there's a lot of different ways that AI can be leveraged to change the way we're working, you know, not just at the very basic level of the calendar, but you know, off into business functions like sales or marketing or whatever. Um, I, I mean, what do you think, just since you're in this space, thinking broadly, what, what are some of the ways AI is going to impact the workplace maybe going forward that we're not thinking about or that you think are going to be particularly impactful? AI is a tricky label for things because it, it implies something. Um, so I think when people think of artificial intelligence today, they think of Robbie the robot or they right. think of, you know, a, uh, an, a, a virtual assistant that's doing all of the work for you. And while those things are certainly uh feasible. They're not really practical in today's day and age. And yeah. I'm not even sure that's where we're going with humanity, that this is how technology will permeate our lives. So when I think about AI, I think more of what I like to describe as the softening of software. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of software, particularly enterprise software, began its history as paper. You take something like email. Right. Email uh, is the digital version of the paper-based memo. And as such, it has the same fields as the memo form did. Who is this going to? What's the subject? Should I carbon copy other people? Which means, you know, right. something that makes sense to anybody who worked in the 80s and doesn't oh, make right. any sense CC. to anybody. I haven't thought about that in a while. Okay. Yeah. Or right. BCC, a blind carbon copy. Right. Um, so, but the problem with uh, that way of viewing software is it's very much constrained by the limits of the form. Calendars mm-hmm. are the same way, right? right? You have to fill out all these different fields. What AI allows us to do is to move away from forms and more into just the natural language that people use. Like, hey, let's get together for a board meeting. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, what's involved in a board meeting, right? It's not just time and location. There's a board deck. There's minutes. Right. Or let's get together for an interview. Okay, Mm -hmm. what are we going to do for the interview? We've got a candidate. We've got a recruiting system. We've got a resume. Mm -hmm. Out of this uh, interview is going to be a a rating. Like, do I want to move forward with this person or do I not? Do they want to move forward with us or do they not and all that is um, you know information that if it's presented as a form it's kind of unnatural for humans mm-hmm. but if you can derive it if you can learn it uh, then uh, it makes the interface a lot easier and so we've seen this with you know the way that cars are becoming uh, autonomous or with devices like Alexa that really what they have been doing is they've been getting the form out of software and making it so that we can interface with things in more natural ways. Um, Fast forward to enterprise software and the future, I think this is where things are are going, that Uh we're going to have a lot of software that makes people more productive by taking some of the work out, okay. but not the decisioning. That's where humans are particularly good. 
you know, machines make mistakes all the time when you ask them to make decisions without all the information. Humans are really good at this. You know, what happens when my plane is flying and I have a double bird strike and I don't know what to do? Right. How? Oh, I should land in a river. That's a great idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that a machine works. is not going <laughs> to figure that out. Yes, but that works. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when you ask the machines to make the decisions for people, they often make mistakes. And sticking with this a- analogy, that's kind of what's going right. on with Boeing and their aircraft. They exactly. automated too much. They took too much of the human out of the cockpit. Right. So at work, I think we're going to face the same things. We're We're going to see software that helps make people more productive. I don't know that we're going to see a lot of software that's just going to eliminate the need for people. Well, that well, that's what I was going to ask because I mean, when I first heard about your company, you know, months or even a year, a year and a half ago, I thought, oh, is this going to drive EAs out of work because EAs schedule a lot of meetings? But it sounds to me like you're saying it's not. It's almost just taking the burden of some of this routine grunt work off of them. Is that how you think about it with yeah, regard I mean, to? If you go back to, uh, I, I like the 1980s. It was a fun decade. <laughs> couple of my favorite movies, Nine to Five with Dolly yes, Parton yes. and Lily Tomlin. A or, feminist, uh, yeah, a feminist yeah. movie. Okay, Or a uh, uh, working girl with Sigourney <laughs> Weaver and Melanie Griffith. And in these movies, the executive assistant, like, runs the company. Exactly. Literally. So in Nine to Five, they kidnap the CEO, tie him up in a garage and then they run the company better than the guy who could run the, the company himself. Right. For all you millennials, these are excellent films, so please do watch them. Super Go funny. on. Go Super on. Funny. But they also get to what the that role used to be. Yeah. It wasn't about spending a bunch of time on the calendar. The calendar mm-hmm. was a piece of the job, but really the job of the uh, the secretary, the executive assistant, was to assist the executive in the strategic right. objectives that they're trying to accomplish. And I think we're, our software helps EAs get to a world where that's more of what their job is. Exactly. Uh, whereas today, it's a lot, we don't even call them EAs often, we call them administrative assistants. Mm-hmm. They're dealing with the administration of calendaring. Right. That, that's To me, that's kind of silly. Like, yeah. why would we want to spend our time on that problem? We can automate those types of things and change the role to be more about making sure that uh, people are prepared for their meetings, that they have the right um, you know, participants there, that they have the exactly. right follow-up and, and action items from those meetings. It almost allows them to up-level their jobs to uh, some absolutely. extent. Absolutely. Okay. All right, well, I think we're going to see this, like, so getting out of just woven into other enterprise software, I think we'll see that with some of these new productivity tools, which will require us to completely change our relationship with them. Uh, and millennials, I think, will definitely understand this. It's not going to be about email and you know Microsoft Word documents and Excel spreadsheets. Right. It's going to be a completely different universe. It'll be about things like Slack messaging, things like you know the way that people share information via Airtable, um, things like Woven. Okay. Uh, Okay. All right. Well, I like this happy future uh, scenario you've painted for AI where people are not losing their jobs, but are just becoming more productive and doing more meaningful work. All right. Well, I think the last issue I wanted to talk about just to take it, of course, you knew I would have to go here is just to take it back to Facebook a little bit. Um, You know, you were there for how many years? Uh, Almost seven years. Wow. Okay. So you started in like 2010. 2010. And I left at the end of 2016. Well, so just tell me generally, I mean, what was it like to work there and what was the culture like and and do you feel like you know we'll get to the the company's recent problems in a minute but have things changed so i loved facebook Uh, i love facebook i Mm -hmm. should say Uh, it's a fantastic company when it was small for me it was um 
you know, it was definitely the best place I had had ever worked to that point. Um, and what makes Facebook uh, special on the inside is its culture. It's a very huh. culturally driven company. It's the company is very deliberate about culture, uh, not just making sure that it finds people that are compatible with its culture in the recruiting process, but once you're there, helping you to fully like become yourself. But what makes it so good? Like if you had to delineate that. So you know, part of the culture is personal responsibility. You know, the company. Uh, does not rely or didn't rely a lot on bureaucracy and rules, but instead, you know, let's teach people what's important and let's empower them to okay. solve problems on okay. their own. Um, that's part of what enables its uh, emphasis on innovation. You know, we're going to move fast and break things. We're going to, you know, be, uh, you know, fortune favors the bull. Mm -hmm. Let's try different things. And, um, you know, hackathons and hackamonths, these were some of the vehicles that the company used to encourage that kind of innovation. But as an employee, it was freeing. Mm -hmm. Instead of, you know, listening to all the reasons why you couldn't follow through on an idea that you wanted to uh, make reality, you were basically empowered. If your idea is such a great idea, great, go code it. Code wins. If it works and we see it in the data, then we're going to push it. And if it doesn't, we'll call it, you know, a, a learning opportunity. We won't even bother calling it a failure because, mm -hmm. you know, failure, as long as it's not repeated, is learning. It's mm -hmm. just a way of figuring out what doesn't work. Okay. Uh, and the company very much embraced these things uh, in, a, in a culture that I found brought the best out of people. Okay. Super interesting. Well, what, I mean, is it wrong to ask what went wrong? I mean, the, obviously the company has just had a host of, a host of challenges, you know, from election hacking to, you know, selling data to outside parties. They're under, you know, getting grilled in Congress under investigation in Europe. Wh what happened and how do they move on and how do they get past this or can they? Yeah, I think, um, it's a, a confluence of things, not all of which are Facebook's fault. Right. Um, you know, st start with a couple of things that aren't really their fault. Uh, we've never had a world where this much data existed uh, about people. And so the rules on how do you manage that data and what's appropriate, what's moral, right? Um, let alone what's legal, uh, are constantly evolving. We don't really know and understand mm -hmm. this as a society. So whether you're Facebook or your Twitter or your, um, you know, Axios or your, mm -hmm. um, uh, Experian, you know, all these right. companies that manage data, like the, the rules are evolving. Okay. And for Facebook, I think they uh, certainly were the largest uh, or are the largest, um, you know, steward of this kind of information. Right. So therefore, they have the biggest responsibility. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, it's not like the rules were particularly clear. Yeah. Um, when you get into some of the issues that I think the company faced, uh, you know, they... One of the challenges for a company like Facebook when you get to be really big is, um, you know, how do you maintain that sort of understanding of what got you there? Mm -hmm. What, why is it that you have been so successful? And especially for the new people who weren't part of the earlier years, they have to learn that from everybody else. And I think that gets difficult when the company gets big and that can result in some cultural challenges, okay. uh, which uh, I think probably contributed to some of these issues. Um, you know, and then the, the last of it, uh, you know, is I, I think that, uh, you know, Facebook has um, a set of information that is not just um, factual about people, mm -hmm. it's emotional, right? You know, right. these are my photos. It's not just the fact that I was in Mountain View. 
this was my launch party and it was a meaningful part of my life and my wife was there mm -hmm. and my kids were there and I love this picture. Mm -hmm. Um, so I have an emotional connection to the data, right. which is very different than a lot of other information that companies like have. Like my health records or whatever. So yeah. we feel more wronged when something goes bad with that huh. than we do, um, you know, take Experian, which I would say arguably uh, has committed a greater violation than anything that Facebook has done. Because Interesting. Our yeah. social security numbers and credit history mm -hmm. has been given to hackers and, uh, you know, people who have much more malicious intent. Yeah than Cambridge Analytica did. And uh, in those cases, we don't necessarily have the same emotional connection to our social security It's bigger number. than hijacking an election? Wait a minute, okay. Absolutely. <laughs> you Abs think so, absolutely. really? Absolutely, absolutely. I've had to freeze my credit yeah, because of Experian. I haven't had to freeze my votes because yeah. of Facebook. Yeah. Um, I uh, you know, am now very uh, you know, leery about um, you know, anything that is financial. I'm fortunate that I'm not buying a new home or, right, you know, having right. to get a loan for my car or something right now. But huh. if I was, these problems are more dogged by the Experian hack than anything that has happened for Facebook. Interesting. So I think from a practical perspective, the financial data that has been compromised is far more uh, important mm -hmm, than some mm -hmm. of the social media stuff. Now, that doesn't dismiss the societal impact of, you know, what goes on when you have uh, interference in an election. But I don't think that those issues are specific just to Facebook. That's really more um, okay. Okay. A, a bigger picture. -ish. Yeah. No, it makes sense. Well, what do you make of the, you know, the, Zuckerberg has said uh, somewhat recently that he wants to shift the company's direction away from social sharing more toward private messaging, which is, I guess, more like the WhatsApp, you know, Instagram yeah. businesses that they own. It, what do you think of that? And is that going to help? Uh, I think that it is part partly what the market wants, mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, if I look at my kids as an example, they don't use Facebook. Yeah. yeah. And part of why they don't use Facebook is they don't want events in their lives to be, uh, you know, permanently memorialized. Mm -hmm. Uh, out of fear that maybe those events will come back to bite them later on. Right. Uh, whereas a, with a product like Snapchat, hey, no problem because mm -hmm. it's going to disappear in 24 hours. So I do think that there is something there. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it makes sense to fully pivot the company there or not, but you know, Zuck has um, a history of identifying when Facebook was going in the wrong direction and making big turns. And those turns have generally been very successful for the company. Uh, you know, the most recent one was a shift towards mobile. Right. And so, um, you know, I would certainly have faith that uh, okay. that's a, a good direction for Facebook. Personally, I think there's got to be a balance on these things. I think there is a role for a more open data sharing product like Facebook as we know it today and uh, for a private sharing uh, product like what okay. they're looking to build. And they'll probably figure it out. There's a smart company full of smart people. Um, okay. All right, sounds good. Well, I'm going to give you the number of the Facebook PR department because I think they could use your help. So we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll do that after this interview. But um, so just last question, just on a more personal note, I know you're on a couple of corporate boards. You're involved in some not-for-profits. There was just one, just I wanted to end on this, you're involved in. It's called Year Up. Tell oh, us yes. about that. Oh, I love this organization. It's okay. by far my favorite uh, uh, endeavor uh, outside of my okay. uh, my day job at Woven. Uh, so what Year Up does uh, is, try to close the opportunity divide that you know there's a set of people in this world that uh, didn't have the opportunity to go to college 
didn't certainly didn't have the opportunity to go to a, a Harvard or a Stanford, mm-hmm. but they're good people. Mm-hmm. They're smart, they're driven, they're motivated, and they just haven't had the opportunity. And what Europe does is it creates a way of short-circuiting aspects of their career. So they go off and they find young adults between the ages of 18 and 24 who weren't able to make it to college for um, whatever reason. Um, Oftentimes, these people are uh, underrepresented minorities, but that's not the filter that Mm -hmm. the uh, company uses uh, or the organization uses. It's really more about character and who they are. And um, they bring them in. um, They pay them to go to school for six Mm -hmm. months and then they intern them for another six months and so over the course of a year uh, they go from maybe they worked at you know Macy's as a sales associate or they worked at In-N-Out flipping burgers to they were an intern at Facebook or Salesforce.com or Wells Fargo Kaiser Permanente they have something on their resume that makes it so that they look hireable okay and the these people are incredible I'll just give you a, an example of mm-hmm. one um, so there was uh, a gentleman by the name of Jay Hammonds who was in our second intern class um, with Europe. Jay, um, you know, was a college dropout. Uh, he, um, you know, both struggled financially. His, uh, he was raised in a foster home, mm-hmm. um, and you know, there was a period of time where his uh, foster mother, uh, he calls him her, his aunt, um, was basically concerned that he was going to go down a very dark path mm-hmm. that would lead to jail, imprisonment, and. Um, so, but Jay found Europe, and um, he excelled as a student in Europe, and uh, he was um, became an intern at Facebook. Oh. Um, he took the time to reach out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, he wanted to, you know, have biweekly uh, one-on-ones as a mentor, which is something I offered to all the interns. But he was very diligent mm. about it; was always prepared, and he had this plan of what he wanted to do. Um, and he wanted to get hired by Facebook as a full-time employee. He wanted to work in the help desk and then eventually wanted to work with the executive staff. And over time, he accomplished all of these objectives. Uh, he became the uh, personal IT assistant for Mark and Cheryl. Oh, wow. Um, he was very visible within the company, became uh, a cultural, um, huh. part of the uh, cultural carrier yeah, for yeah. the company. And uh, eventually was recognized by Forbes magazine as one of the top 30 under 30. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Wow. Uh, he is fantastic. He um, is uh, now a manager uh, at Facebook, uh, doing very well. Mm-hmm. Um, he has had so much interest in who he is. Um, he's literally turned down uh, uh, starring roles in movies, like big movies that you would know. Uh, so he acts, too? <laughs> no, he, there was a 60 minutes interview of him and uh, a casting agency saw him and was so impressed by him. They tried to cast him in a movie. Oh, gosh. He turned down the role to stay at Facebook. And you know where he commits his time? Where? Outside of the company? Back to Europe. Back to be a symbol to other students that they can change their lives if they're committed, if they work hard, and that what this organization does is give them the opportunity to have that. And um, that's where he spends his time. Oh, fantastic that's... individual. 
And this organization is nationwide. It's not okay. just in California. Um, they uh, uh, have uh, serviced, I think, uh, upwards of 16,000 students now. Um, and they're, they're growing like mad. It's a fantastic opportunity for companies because you get great access to talent. And you're on the board of this organization? Or? I'm on the board of the Europe uh, Bay Area uh, oh, okay. chapter. Yeah. Phenomenal. All right. Well, I'm glad we talked about that. And when we run this out on our blog, I'll be sure to include you know the website for that group in case companies yes. listening want to get involved. And the, probably the worst part about this company is the name because Europe is often misinterpreted as Europe. Right. And it's year up. Europe okay. is Y-E-A-R-U-P. Okay. Uh, All right. Very good. All right. Well, Tim, this has really been fascinating. I so appreciate you joining us. A really interesting conversation. And I wish you luck uh, with your new company. Thank you. 